The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It's 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here's your top five at five. Coinbase looking to keep the party going. Shares taking off again after soaring in their highly anticipated market debut. Meantime, J&J's vaccine still taking off the market as regulators dig into that rare but serious blood clot issue. The big numbers roll on as we gear up for another day of potentially blockbuster earnings. Is everybody getting back on a plane? Delta set to give us their outlook and put the battered airline business back in focus. And speaking of comebacks, is it back to the stores or are we online forever? Some new data showing one group is going back out in person, going back out big. We'll tell you who that is on this Thursday, April 15th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Oh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world you may be watching. I'm Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us on this day that used to be known as Tax Filing Deadline Day, but no longer. That this year has been pushed off to May 17th. Well, here's how your money and the global markets are setting up their day. We are seeing futures nicely in the green. Dow futures up 130. Maybe we're going to start to call this the R&R market. No, not rest and relaxation. We wish rotation and reflation. It's a battle of wills and dollars between high growth tech companies and so-called value names that will benefit from a full economic reopen. The so-called FANG Plus Index down yesterday, NASDAQ 100 dropping more than 1%. Meantime, the overall S&P 500 up nearly 4% so far this month, and that continues April's historically bullish trend. According to data from Instanet, before this year, the S&P 500 had been up 16 of the past 20 Aprils, with an average gain of 2.5%. Not bad. Goldman Sachs' blowout earnings helping the Dow and the overall markets yesterday, and that could continue today. Bank of America, Citigroup, Schwab, U.S. Bank, among the major financial companies reporting today. Delta, Pepsi, and UNH, among those that are not banks, but also reporting, and a number of big names also out tomorrow. All right, around the world, kind of a mixed picture in Asia overnight. Shanghai and the Hong Kong index down about a half a percent. Well, the Nikkei and the Kospi were able to sneak out subtle gains. And let's take a look at the early trade in Europe as well. Again, not a huge global trend, although Europe, the major index is up across the board. Not a lot, but they are up about three-tenths of 1%. All right, let's dive into the markets now and back to that really hotly anticipated market debut for Coinbase. Bertha's here now with that and some of this morning's other top stories is the is the party rolling on for Coinbase, Bertha? Yeah, which is now the largest exchange by market cap. Shares of Coinbase, in fact, poised to pick up where they left off after that 
spectacular debut yesterday. Shares are higher in the pre-market. The stock closing at $328, up another 11% here in the pre-market. Uh, it opened at 381 soared to as high as $429. That's still well above the reference price of $250. Meantime, a CDC panel has decided to postpone its decision on Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccine as it investigates that rare but potentially life-threatening blood clotting disorder tied to the treatment. The panel voted unanimously to reconvene in one week when it will decide what it will recommend to the CDC on the vaccine. That postponement means the pause on Johnson & Johnson's vaccine will remain in effect. In a statement, the company said in part that it values the consideration of the advisory committee and will continue to work with global health authorities, adding safety is its number one priority. Meantime, a House coronavirus subcommittee will hear today from three top Biden administration health officials about the vaccine rollout following that J&J pause. And Taiwan Semiconductor is boosting its spending and revenue growth targets for this year amid that global shortage of chips. The company offering the outlook in its latest earnings briefing today, the world's biggest chip maker seeing first quarter profit jump more than 19%. It adds the ongoing chip shortage will likely last well into next year. Brian? All right, Bertha Coombs. Bertha, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you very much. All right, let's get back down to the macro markets. The S&P 500 up nearly 10% for the year. Not bad. But nearly 60% of S&P 500 stocks are now trading within 5% of their new or all-time high. Of course, the overall momentum is good, but while spring may be in the air, they're could also be some near-term allergies. Technically, let's talk about that and some individual names and bring in our friend Craig Johnson, Chief Market Technician at Piper Sandler. Craig, always appreciate you getting up early for us, buddy. You've been nailing this market left and right now for the last few years. Tell us, it's been good. Has it been a little too good? Is the market ripe for a pullback at all? Thanks, Brian. And it's always great to get up early and come on to the show. You know, you started out, Brian, talking about this sort of uh, uh, reflation rotation. I think you got to also add another R into, this, into the reopening trade. And I think at this point in time, the way we're seeing these rotations in the market, we're continuing to see a movement toward the consumer cyclical sector. We're continuing to see a, uh, a rotation that's happening towards some of the energy, some of the basic material type names uh, for the reflationary trade, and then also what you're seeing happening with the financials. But to your point, Brian, at the big picture side of the market, I would just say that this is a market that still is performing very well, making new highs. You're continuing to see good momentum at this point in time. And while there is a lot of fear out there and certainly a lot of uh, uh, with the AAII numbers at the 5% all-time highs in here, uh, you're really baking in a lot of good news at this point in time. So earnings numbers coming out in the next couple of weeks are going to be extremely important to uh, where this market is going to be going from here. We still got a 42.25, about two and change percent upside. There's maybe a little bit more to go after that, but a lot of good news to me is baked in, Brian. Already baked in. All right. So maybe tapering off just a bit. By the way, Craig, feel free to use that R&R market thing. I just want full credit in your next, <laughs> you know, newsletter and, and uh, research to clients. Let's talk about earnings. Yesterday, Goldman Sachs proved one thing. No matter what happens, Goldman Sachs usually wins. Down, up, middle, they tend to come out ahead. The retail investor jumping back in this market in a big way with all the stimulus checks and everything else. Do you think Schwab 
will be a big winner. Brian, I absolutely do think that Schwab is going to be a big winner. And when you look at the chart, the chart certainly looks very constructive. And think about it from a macro backdrop. you got a lot of money market funds, and they're going to earn, earn nice returns on some of those money market funds as rates start to uh, come back and start to move higher. I'd also just note that more retail trading happening certainly benefits uh, individuals like Schwab, too. So that's, uh, that's one that we do have in our model, and it's one that we do like, and we would continue to keep buying. Is that kind of a similar story with the Chicago Mercantile Exchange that, you know, it doesn't matter sort of what you're buying or selling. You're going to use some either Robinhood or Schwab, but you also are probably going to use an exchange like the CME. Absolutely. When you go back and you just look at what's happening with a lot of commodities at this point in time, not only lumber prices, copper prices, you're seeing uh, more trading happening. A lot of commodities are doing very, very well. I think this is, again, another one that we want to be buying, and it's going to certainly benefit uh, from our perspective from a pickup in overall economy and activity, and certainly with some of the shortages that you're seeing for uh, raw materials at this point in time and corporations really looking to source those, I think the CME can really benefit from a pickup in volume. Absolutely. All right. Don't want to steal the thunder from our upcoming guest, Stacey Whitlitz, retail guru that she is. But I kind of know what she's going to say. And she's going to talk about a store based in Minneapolis with a red and white logo that looks a lot like a Target, your hometown store. She likes it fundamentally. You like it technically. Stars and moon align, Brian, on that one, because you look at uh, the fundamentals, you made a lot of positive changes. I'll leave those to her. I'll take the technicals. The trend is still up. You're nicely above your 50 and 200-day moving average. Uh, it looks like this is a stock on any sort of little shorter-term pullbacks we should be buying because they're definitely capitalizing on not only the, the Internet trends that have done well, but any sort of reopening trends and physical store presence. They're really uh, doing extremely yep. well from what we're seeing. And very, very quickly here, I know you and your son have crypto. You told me a couple of years ago that you were heating your home with Bitcoin mining. God, you hopefully paid off your home at this point with all the gains you must have made. <laughs> but you like Litecoin. Absolutely, Brian. And, and, and again, the, the trends are emerging in this entire crypto space and in, 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 in light speed at this point in time. And if you look at some of these charts out here, not only Litecoin, but Ethereum and uh, Algorand and a bunch of these other coins out there, they are literally breaking out of huge multi-year basis. And I think, you know, Coinbase coming public yesterday, I don't want to make the same mistake that I did years ago, which is I didn't buy Google when it first came. I didn't buy Tesla when it first came. And I can go through a handful of others. I think this is one of these companies that's really changing something out there. And uh, while it seems expensive and crazy right now, I think it's something you want to buy and just sort of tuck away. And that's what our son, my son and I have done. And Litecoin is certainly one of the ones that hasn't even gotten back to new highs yet while Bitcoin has exploded to the upside. And you guys have done very, very well. You were super early on that. Great names there. Great stuff as well. But a little bit of a warning for the macro market. It's a market Correct. of stocks. Craig Johnson, always a pleasure to see you, my friend. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. Well, we are just getting started on this Thursday. And when we come back, your morning's big money movers, including what has shares of Dell taking off. Plus, we just mentioned her, retail guru Stacy Whitlitz here on why brick and mortar is not dead yet and the one group that may drive spending in the stores. And later on, your morning RBI and one Wall Street firm busting out the credit card to help fight off worker fatigue, the IOP opening perk you may not believe or 
maybe wish your company would provide. We'll tell you about it coming up. Stick around. For the next 15 seconds, picture yourself in a small town. Historic buildings with galleries, restaurants, micro distilleries, forested ridgelines on the horizon, wide alpine meadows, evergreen forests threaded with trails, friendly locals eager to guide you. And if you're not quite ready to leave this fantasy, chances are you're our kind. And you should check out visitparkcity.com right away. Park City, Utah. For the mountain kind. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back. Let's hit three big money stock stories for you right now. You ready? We are, kind of. Here we go. Stock one, Dell. Plans to spin off its 81% stake in VMware that is valued at a cool $52 billion. Says the cloud software maker will pay special cash dividend tied to the spinoff of about $12 billion including more than $9 billion for Dell itself. Stock two, Thermo Fisher, close to a deal for PPD for more than $15 billion. The Wall Street Journal says the deal could be finalized this week. Who is PPD? Well, they run drug trials for pharma companies, as well as provide things like lab services. And stock number three, American Eagle Outfitters. They see revenue popping to top $1 billion above analyst estimates. The retailer says strong demand has helped it sell more products from its namesake and Array brands and do it at full price. American Eagle up five and a half percent. And that is the perfect segue, because while some people may think that we're going to shop online forever, and we might for certain things, don't count out brick and mortar just yet. Check this out. Probably could have been an RBI. According to data from Zenreach, Foot traffic is returning to brick-and-mortar stores after a year of mostly online shopping in parts of the country. And look at that. You go, Pittsburgh. It is the steel city seeing the biggest jump in in in-person shopping. 293% gain with a lot of people. This is going back to the stores. Detroit, second. California, and you got Minneapolis and San Diego. So really, Pittsburgh, Michigan, Minneapolis... A couple towns in California seeing the biggest. Now, of course, if you're coming off a no base like California, you're going to have a big jump. But you go, Pittsburgh. Let's talk more now about why this is happening and what group is out there doing the shopping. Joining us now is SW Retail Advisors President Stacy Whitlitz. And, you know, they, they say the kids are all right. And it's a good song. I don't know if they are or not, but I do know this. They're not afraid and they're out shopping. That's exactly right, Brian. The the teenager is happy to reach into their wallet and they generally feel invincible. So you've seen them come back to the stores. And if you rewind to last year when stores reopened, who came back first? It was the teen. Abercrombie had 80% traffic returned to stores when we reopened last year, whereas the department stores had about 50%. So 
those are the, those, that's the demographic that's coming out. And certainly you saw um, American Eagle results up their guidance. You've seen urban outfitters talk about high single digit comps. And by the way, this growth that they're talking about is not versus last year. It's versus 2019. So that shows you the spending power and how strong that particular customer is coming back. That was against, so I feel even more silly talking about California then. So that data would, and I'm happy to be wrong on that case, Stacey, because that implies it's sort of even more bullish in a certain way. Maybe that's the the bust out trade. Just got to get out, get out of the house, get away from mom and dad and, you know, hit the mall once again. And that's exactly what's happening. And, you know, it's great that so many retailers are not giving us the numbers over last year because who cares, right? Nothing was happening. They're giving us versus 2019 to see an actual picture of their future here. And, you know, even we heard from Bed Bath & Beyond this week, they were talking about a little bit of a normalization of the mix between digital and physical. So the customer clearly, their stimulus checks, people got their jabs in their arms. They're coming back. I mean, mall traffic is still down double digits. But it's getting better and better day by day. And the brands that were strong and consolidated market share are coming back. They're coming roaring back. American Eagle. You know, we haven't talked about them for years. Kind of like the seagull of retail in a way. Suddenly now they're this majestic bird flying again. Who is American Eagle and why are they doing so well? So American Eagle is, is the perfect trade here, right, on the team consumer because they're, they're half airy, which is lounge, lingerie. They've been taking share from Victoria's Secret, and they've done an amazing pivot just into comfort, loungy college wear. And then, of course, the other half is denim and fashion, which, by the way, is now coming back. Levi's even commenting that they're seeing people, you know, getting ready to go out again, and they're even putting on hard pants again. Denim, there's a resurgence here. So, you know, we all need to start working out so we can get those pants buttoned up again. So, you know, American Eagle is probably best positioned in that space because they've, they've got both. They're, they're kind of a hedge on yeah. hard pants versus athleisure. Well, based on those those weight, unfortunately, those weight gain trends that we showed a couple of weeks ago, you, you're exactly right. Stacey, on a more serious note, I know I know you were back in New York a couple of weeks ago. It was great to see you, by the way, like actual adults in a grown-up world. But we talked about Fifth Avenue and Madison Avenue. And a lot of the stores there, you know, they lose money, but they want the physical presence, kind of a museum or a show-off store. And I'm sorry to say this, New York City is grim. Folks, if you're out there, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it's a ghost town. Uh, are those stores coming back or is, or is Madison Avenue and Fifth Avenue, I mean, the physical streets, are they really in big trouble? I think they are. And, you know, I was, I continue to be, you know, you go to these capitals and you walk around Midtown or where these flagships used to be. There's nobody there. There's nothing going on. And we don't expect tourism really to come back in a meaningful way, probably until 2022. So unfortunately, yes, those tourist destinations are going to be under major pressure. And also the rents haven't come down enough to, to attract those new stores. And you are hearing in luxury, they're talking about, hey, do we really need all these museum stores? So it's a huge issue long-term. And Levi's even pointed out that some of their, their, their stores are very tourist city destinations. They're talking about even wholesale outperforming their stores. So, right, everybody was mm. walking away from wholesale. Maybe wholesale is now your new friend. Yeah, maybe. It was pretty depressing, I have to say, walking around it, New York City and I looking around, you. wondering if 
Yeah, if those stores are coming back. But we're watching American Eagle soar. Stacy Widlitz, SW Retail Advisor. Stacy, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you soon. All right, on deck, more on Amazon. Speaking of online, but this time it has to do with their continued purse for diversity within the company. Dow Futures, they're up 130. Coinbase up in the pre-market. Bitcoin at 62.7. We're glad you're up and we're back right after this. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. All right, welcome back. Time now for your daily vaccination update, bringing you the daily dose of good news and optimism that you deserve and need because sometimes the headlines, they don't do that. According to the CDC, about 251 million doses of vaccine have been delivered. 124 million Americans have now received at least one dose. 76 million of us have been fully vaccinated. That means nearly 30% of the population over 18 has now been fully vaccinated and nearly half have received one dose. Why? hospitalizations have come crashing down from their January highs. With so much attention on the J&J vaccine news, here's what it may do to trends. And there's a lot of concern about that. But Morgan Stanley says, don't worry. Their star analyst, Matthew Harrison, of course, been on this show many times, writing last night in a research note, quote, our updated simulations suggest the U.S. can vaccinate the entire eligible population, which will be 12 and up soon, by midsummer and our increased confidence in the rate and supply of vaccinations to meet a mid-summer target remains within potential, despite the disruption to the J&J vaccine. Shorter version, Pfizer and Moderna have enough supply in America to pick up the slack. It's going to be okay. All right, still ahead. Delta earnings are on deck. And Jeffrey's analyst, Sheila Koyalu, will break down what to watch in those results, whether airline stocks will continue to soar amid our return to normal and everybody jumping back on a plane. And a reminder, if you're taking a flight, you need something to listen to, subscribe to our podcast. Miss the show? Check us out. Apple, Spotify, other podcasting apps. There you go. Dow Futures up a buck 42. We're going to be right back after this. And by the way, before we go, be sure to keep it on CNBC all day for a number of high-profile interviews. There's a preview. We're back after this. Well, good morning, and it is a good morning. Futures, they're surging as more and more stocks hit new all-time highs as trillions in cash still sits around looking for a home. The debut everybody is talking about, Coinbase, and it is powering higher right now Many cryptos gain again across the board. And are you in need of a vacation? Who isn't? Wait until you hear how one company is doing for its workers. I want you to think a beach, an umbrella drink, and no charge to you. How's that for a perk? It is Thursday, April 15th, and this is Worldwide Exchange.
Oh, welcome or welcome back, everybody. And good Thursday morning, just about 530 here on the East Coast. Hope you're having a great start to your day. Grab a coffee, hit the treadmill. Let's do this and check your Thursday money and markets right now. And they're looking pretty good. Always nice to see a little more green on the screen than red. I mean, why not? That wealth effect kicking in. Dow futures up 140 points right now. NASDAQ futures, they're up 86. We're seeing more and more highs among some of these cyclical. We called it earlier the R&R trade. We're going to coin that, by the way. Not rest and relaxation, but rotation and reflation. By the way, outside of stocks, everybody's talking about the cryptos as well. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, a number of other names. They have been moving higher. They're higher again. Look at Dogecoin. Dogecoin hitting a dime for the first time. I think it was yesterday or a day and a half ago. Now Dogecoin, which remember was started as a joke, literally began as a joke, is now at 13 cents, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when it was well under one penny not that long ago, you get the idea. You go Litecoin as well. That's getting certainly more and more attention. By the way, what else is? Coinbase, their public debut yesterday, a little choppy at times, okay? That's what happens. Retail investors, institutions, all interested. Coinbase, either way, this morning is doing well in the pre-market. I'm sure we'll see that price all day on CNBC. And we got to talk about something a lot more basic, and that is lumber. Holy wood. We have been talking about lumber prices now for, what, six to nine months on this show We've done it as an RBI a couple of times. Look at lumber. It's $600. Wow. Lumber right now is $1,217 in the futures market. It is Not only is that a record high, it's a record record. It's never even been anywhere close to this high. Price of lumber, 39% jump so far this year. Demand for homes. Remember, forget about COVID and everybody moving from the burbs demographics are destiny. We got a lot of millennials that are sort of right in that family creation age. They're going to need some homes. Probably not going to do it in New York City. Price of wood, absolutely soaring. Well, let's get to some of this morning's other top stories out, outside of trees. Bertha Coombs is back down. We could just do a whole segment. I've never seen a poem so beautiful as a tree. I think that was Joyce Kilmer Oates or something. <laughs> Oh, boy. I, I'm going to need to search the, the database. But, you know, there are plenty of millennial families in New York City, certainly in my neighborhood. So they haven't all moved away. Meantime, President Biden plans to meet with Prime Minister of Japan in Washington, D.C. tomorrow in what will be his first in-person summit with a foreign leader since his inauguration. Political analysts tell CNBC China's growing influence in the region and around the world will be the number one on the agenda as the White House seeks to rebuild U.S. alliances around the world. Amazon outlining new diversity, equity, and inclusion goals for the rest of 2021. Among the targets, the e-commerce giant plans to double the number of black directors and vice presidents in the U.S. and increase the hiring, uh, the, hiring the number of black uh, corporate employees by at least 30 percent. Additionally, Amazon says it will increase the number of female senior principals, directors, vice presidents, and what it calls distinguished engineers by more than 30 percent. 
The Justice Department is reportedly stepping up its antitrust probe of American Airlines' newly minted partnership with JetBlue. According to The Wall Street Journal, the regulator is growing increasingly concerned the deal could lead to anti-competitive coordination and inflate airfares at key traffic hubs in the Northeast, including New York and Boston. The move marks what could be an early signal of the Biden administration's interest in antitrust enforcement. People always look for those transitions as you get a new administration, Brian, just how they're going to handle big deals. Yeah, and this airline fight going all the way back to Southwest, trying to fly into you know, the New York area from Dallas, but kind of going on for decades, and it always seems to involve the state of Texas. Bertha Coombs, thank you. <laughs> Well, Delta, speaking of airlines, Delta, the first of the major airlines report their quarterly numbers today after a year, of course, of lockdowns, a massive drop in passenger revenue. Delta Airlines shares have basically doubled in the past year, up 97.7 percent. It's a huge gain, but it's actually underperforming most of the other airline stocks. In fact, the, the ARCA Airlines Spider, that's an ETF, not an actual spider, is up 123 percent in the same time. A lot of the smaller airlines, like Allegiant, people thought might have a lot more trouble. They have come back. The strong price movement comes as a new study from the CDC suggests that keeping the middle seat vacant on planes could lead to as much as a 57% reduction in passengers being exposed to COVID, even though I don't know how many cases have been traced back to airlines either way. Anyway, it's science. Nearly every airline now allows middle seats to be filled with Delta's policy expiring in May, I can assure you it's not every airline. I've flown a number of times in the last nine months. I can assure you it's not all of them. Joining us now with a preview on Delta's results, what to expect from the airlines this quarter, is Sheila Kayalu, aerospace and defense analyst at Jefferies. Sheila, it's good to have you back on again. I like to look Thanks, at the Brian. TSA numbers, A, because I'm just bored and a dork, but I want to see, you know, everyone's like, don't fly, it's not safe. 30 days in a row now, we've seen more than a million people get on a plane. Most days, a million and a half to 1.8 million. Yes, yeah, still down 35 to 40 percent from the peak of last year. But let's be clear, at least domestically, there is a, a I was going to use a different term, a lot of people getting on a plane right now. That's correct, Brian. What we're seeing globally as well, domestic travel is down about 40 percent. International is where we're seeing major hits down about 80 percent. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, Delta says uh, today um, regarding what they're seeing on traffic. American came out with a bold statement yesterday saying that they expect international traffic to be 80 percent back to 2019 levels by uh, by the summertime, which we, we think is quite an aggressive statement. The problem is, as much as we all may fly from New York to Miami or to Texas where people are living Pretty normal lives. What we're not doing is we're not going to Tokyo. We're not going to Paris. How much of those super profitable international routes? That's going to be the issue. And I'm a little surprised, Sheila, the stocks have more than doubled. I get it. The bankruptcy risk is gone for a lot of these companies. But nobody's talking about international travel booming anytime soon. Exactly, Brian. So three things we're looking for to hear commentary from Ed is... One, yield curves. Have they been able to maintain it? Delta's been the only one that's been able to maintain it. They've been seen as the premium carrier as they've kept that middle seat unblocked. And you said that that's going away starting May 1st. Oh. 
Second is, what are they seeing on international bookings, given Americans' aggressive comments? We're not seeing it, but keep in mind, American is 45% exposed to Latin America, or 25% of their total sales. Delta is a lot lower than that in terms of their Latin American and Caribbean exposure, which is where, where most Americans are traveling for leisure. So those are two data points we're, we're looking from to hear what Delta is seeing. Pricing and international. Okay, pricing and international. And how, how, so pricing, let's talk about that, Sheila, because one of my predictions, I make them kind of for fun, but they're sort of semi-serious. I made it last year, was that, and this was December, I don't know, 28th or whatever. If you're going to travel this year, as a lot of people are, book early. And we're already seeing it. We did that a couple weeks ago, how airfares are soaring. I'm looking around the Christmas holidays. Ugh, got some sticker shock. Is it, is it going to be a case where there's fewer planes in the sky because they're nervous to put a lot of planes back on, but for those seats to hot destinations, they're going to have a lot of pricing power. How does that balance out? Well, we're going to see how that plays out. Not, not necessarily the case. We cover Boeing as well. 30% of the global fleet is still parked. That, you know, that number's typically under 10%, closer to 5%. So therefore, if the market does come back, do these airlines act irrationally and throw capacity at the market? So American, for example, is flying wide bodies, large 777s down to Puerto Rico, down to Miami. So are they just going to flood these markets and therefore pricing is going to crash? And so Delta has been a very rational carrier from that regard. Um, They also have a good corporate exposure in terms of where they're based in the U.S. uh, and their market share in strong hubs like Atlanta. So that'll be another data point we're looking to as well to see what they're seeing out of corporate American trends, especially given their southern exposure. Can't let you go very quickly. Sheila, is there any airline stock you love right now? We love love. Um, That's easy. Um, we, we like love for a few reasons. One, it's, it's domestic exposure is about 95%. Second, um, the airline's exposure to corporate uh, is in the right areas. Uh, they're not on the coast where we think United might see some tr- uh, trouble and a lag in the market coming back. And third, their CapEx is cleaned up. And once, you know, they have a $5 billion CapEx number out there. And once they get through that, it's a uh, cash return to shareholders. You think that was an accident, Sheila? The love, love you? That was not an accident. That was, a, that was <laughs> no. Showing you've been on love. flight this morning. It's amazing with no sleep. I was showing your love, love, some love, Southwest Airlines. Sheila Kailu, always a pleasure, Sheila. We'll let you get to work. You got thank a big you, day Brian. today, Sheila. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right, you're welcome. Speaking of the aforementioned Ed Bastian, CEO of Delta, will be on at nine a.m. We'll talk about. Nope, I'll probably talk about Georgia and the voting thing as well. So a lot to talk about with the CEO of Delta Airlines, Ed Bastian, has been out there on the forefront talking about voting rights for all. All right, coming up, what your next guest says, Coinbase may not actually be the Netflix of crypto, but maybe the blockbuster video of Bitcoin. That's not good. Coindesk's Michael Casey is here. We are back in a moment. All right, welcome back. We have got an earnings alert on Bank of America, and I want to couch this and say this is a bit unusual because the Bank of America numbers were not due to come out for not quite another hour, really around 6.45 a.m. Eastern time, but they appear to have either been leaked early or put out by the company early. Either way, the numbers 
have been put up on other networks. They are online and being shared wildly by real companies. So Bank of America's numbers do appear to be out early, and they are good. Let me read them here for you. Bank of America's numbers coming in well ahead of expectations. We are seeing about 86 cents from the numbers, which is 66 was what expected. So 86 versus 66, a blowout on the EPS side. And again, these numbers are the ones that were put up on other networks as well as being circulated online by real companies. So we're going to assume that these numbers are indeed accurate. Revenue for Bank of America, $22.8 billion. That is $100 million more than expected, $29.97, not quite. So revenue better than expected. And the trading revenue blowout. Trading revenue, according to reports online, $5.08 billion, 4.37 was the estimate of the average analyst estimate circulated out there. So Bank of America numbers appear to have dropped early, 20 cent beat on EPS, a beat on revenue by nearly $100 million, and a beat on trading revenue by about $70 million. Again, a bit of a mystery. Why did they come out early? Either way, those are the numbers that are being widely circulated and the stock is indeed reacting in the pre-market. No doubt more on B of A's actual numbers and maybe a little bit about why they appear to have been leaked or dropped early. Either way, B of A, maybe following in Goldman's footsteps with some blowout numbers because all the numbers I just gave you, well above analyst estimates. All right, we'll dig into that, but let's also dig into this. Shares of Coinbase up in the pre-market after yesterday's direct listing and public equity market debut. The stock initially surging past its reference price. Remember, that's what you do when you have a direct listing of $250 a share to $429 in less than 10 minutes. Stock finally ended the day just below $330. So soared, came back to earth, but still well above that so-called reference price. Coinbase is now the biggest publicly traded exchange, I believe, and bigger than the likes of Northrop Grumman and Waste Management, Twitter and Kraft Heinz, just to name a few. Joining us now is Michael Casey, Chief Content Officer at Coindesk. Michael, good morning. Good to see you. What do you make of that wild debut? And what are people talking about to watch for from Coinbase on the all-important day two? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, look, I mean, that wild debut, I don't think is all that unusual for something that is, uh, you know, always un- unpredictable as, as an initial listing like this, people trying to find where the price is. But it, just as importantly, of course, it reflects the fact that, you know, Wall Street's going to have to struggle to figure out what this thing actually is. You just referred to it as an exchange. I mean, we in the crypto world, we call it an exchange, but it's really nothing like any of the traditional stock exchanges that, that the world and certainly Wall Street knows of when they, when they go about pricing these things. And I, I think it's fair to say uh, there's not a great deal of broad knowledge about crypto itself. And the, it's a very different way of thinking about the world. So you've got institutional investors who are going to have to struggle to figure out how to put a value on this thing. And inevitably, I think that's going to bring volatility. Actually, not just yesterday. I think we're going to see this to be a fairly volatile price for some time, not to mention the fact that it is you know, an inherently cyclical stock, or at least something that is tied to an alternative asset, which of course is Bitcoin and other crypto prices. So lots of forces to make this thing move around, I would think, not just yesterday, but going forward. And what are people watching, Michael, going forward? I mean, what's kind of the the issue? Is it if crypto prices crash or come down, do we expect trading volume and interest to dry up or they can they survive in a bear or bull market? Not survive, but thrive. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, th- I think they're, they're pretty safe at the moment in terms of that cash uh, cushion for survival. That and and this is normal. Right? Coinbase has been used to this, as is every other exchange in the space. That their revenues are very much uh, tied, or at least the performance is tied to where the price of Bitcoin is, where the price of Ether, where the price of other altcoins are, and and they tend to move in sync as well. So yes, that's a factor. Um, I think the bigger thing to watch uh, is what happens to competition in this space. Um, not to say as well that 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 is a an immediate threat. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned uh, during the break that I've said that it may be uh, at Netflix, but also may be uh, Blockbuster. We don't quite know where it stands, but the point of the matter is the, the real competitive challenge, I would argue, for Coinbase is the emergence of what we call decentralized exchanges, exchanges in which there is no need to have a central party custodian in the way that Coinbase is. This is a thriving new area, and that is going to at some time come along. Coinbase is aware of this, of course. The question is, can they can they meet that challenge? Right now, the general public really loves the convenience of the kind of centralized, you know, custodial approach that Coinbase has taken. And we are still very, very early days in the growth of this marketplace. And so even if other new centralized uh, exchanges come in and compete with Coinbase, which they already are outside of the listed company world, the growing pie of a global marketplace for crypto, I think is inevitably going to continue to bring in uh, pretty impressive growth for Coinbase and for its competitors. But the big question is like, you know, a few years down the road, when the technology has inevitably evolved into something else, can Coinbase keep up? That will be the question. uh, And we're going to watch the stock. It is up in the pre-market. Of course, a lot of these lesser known cryptos, Michael, now starting to get a lot of attention. And I'm not just looking at the Sheena Ebu of Dogecoin, it's Litecoin and some others. Michael Casey of Coindesk. Michael, thank you very much. Have a great day. You're welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. All right, on deck. Stocks continue to power higher. April showers, maybe going to make it rain in May. Who knows? Either way for you, because we're seeing Dow futures up again today, 125 points. Federated Hermes, Linda Bakshin, will lay out the big threat, though, to the market that she says is looming out there. Things have been good. But there's something you need to watch. We'll tell you what that is coming up. It is time now for your Thursday RBI. And this one may make you a bit jealous or not. But apparently one Wall Street firm is hearing the cry of the burned out workers and especially on the banking side. And they're offering them a perk that not many firms would do or have the money to do. There are reports out there from Bloomberg and others that Houlihan Loki, which is a mid-sized investment bank, is going to give some workers an all-expenses-paid trip to, well, wherever they want. That's right. This is not some let's all pile into a plane and go to some Cancun resort together. No. According to the report, there is a full menu of marvelous trips the staff can take. Want to go to the beach, ski, whatever you want, you can do. Bankers, especially junior-level ones, work legendary hours. And so this firm says, we want to beat burnout by sending you on an all-expenses-paid trip. Now, if you want to know how much bankers may work, here's some other, quote, perk they're offering. Houlihan Loki also says it's not going to allow anyone to work past midnight unless it's approved by the head of a team. Well, gee, thanks. Me thinks that Some team heads will approve that. Either way, a free all-expenses-paid trip to pretty much wherever you want to go 
It's a start. So I ask you folks, is that a trade you would take? Those kinds of hours for a free Lux vacation and a big paycheck, of course. Free trips, random but interesting. And we'll see if any other company follows Houlihan Loki's lead. All right, now back to the broader markets. As investors gearing up for another day of big-time earnings, Linda Bakshian is the senior VP, senior portfolio manager, and the head of the value income team at Federated Hermes. Uh, Linda, it's a pr- pleasure to have you back on. Um, we had a little bit of a weirdness going on because Bank of America's earnings were either dropped or leaked early. They flashed on some screens. They're all over the web, so we'll give you the numbers as we know them to be. And if they are indeed accurate, there's no reason to believe they're not, they're blowout. I mean, Goldman Sachs just absolutely destroyed their numbers on almost every level yesterday, and the market rewarded it. Looks like Bank of America may have done the same. Are you a big believer in financials? Absolutely. And I've had a couple of minutes just to really cursory glance at Bank of America earnings. And I think, you know, from what I see, net interest margin was better, um, which is what was indicated um, from JP Morgan, except JP Morgan had the credit card issues that kind of took some of that juice off of net interest income. So that is positive. But more importantly, from what I saw, they just announced a $25 billion buyback program. And that's, I think, is going to be very big for the stock today. Bank of America is one of our top picks uh, at Federated uh, Hermes, and we are a big believer in the company and in the strategy the company has. But we're going to have to look at expenses. We're going to have to look at loan reserves, uh, the the releases, and what the loan expectations are for next year and and for the second half of uh, 2021 as well. So the conference call is going to be very important. And by the way, Linda, that release is confirmed as well. Somebody... Somebody put it on the facts, maybe a little bit too early, but those numbers are confirmed. And your buyback point is a big one. And this is a big deal as well. I know you like some of these value names, some of these cyclical names. Buybacks could be a huge part of this market in the next couple of months and quarters. Could they not? Absolutely. These companies are flush with cash. They have strong balance sheets. And, you know, the consumer is is also buying. They also have a strong balance sheets. Demand is very strong. Inventories are low. So we do expect these companies to have very strong earnings and growth and cash flows. So buybacks are going to be a big part of this market, especially if we do see tax increases on dividends and capital gains. Yeah, if we see tax increases, you may have the buybacks come in, more money. Facing fewer stocks, there you go. Linda Bakshian, a real pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Linda. Have a great day. B of A numbers, blowout numbers dropping early. By the way, Jim Cramer, thank you. We talked about American Eagle earlier in the program, soaring, Eagle pun intended. Jim's got the CEO on Mad Money tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern. Who is this retailer? American Eagle? We'll find out. Tune in to Mad tonight. Thanks for watching, everybody. We're back tomorrow. I'll see you then. Squawk Box, the gang, pick it all up next. Have a great day. Dow Futures up 140. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. For the next 15 seconds, picture yourself in a small town. Historic buildings with galleries, restaurants, micro distilleries, forested ridgelines on the horizon, wide alpine meadows evergreen forests threaded with trails, friendly locals eager to guide you. And if you're not quite ready to leave this fantasy, chances are you're our kind. 
and you should check out visitparkcity.com right away. Park City, Utah, for the mountain kind.